0: This is a Discovery Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we invite you to find yourself in the bigger story. To find out more about what's going on in the life of the church, head to discoverychurch.com.au. All right. Morning, everyone. Great to see you. Great to see you. Welcome to those of you joining us online. It is a privilege to be able to host you with us today, and for those of you who are joining us on the podcast today as well. My name is Matt, and along with Jody, who you just met, we have the privilege of serving and leading Discovery Church, this amazing group of people, and we're uh, honored that you're here and you've joined us today. Now, I want you to imagine a time, a wild, wild time, a time in the future where drones fly around the sky delivering food, (laughs) where cars drive automatically, where there are warehouses upon warehouses of robots delivering goods to people in their homes where they have ordered from their homes that are owned by one of the richest men in the world who travels to space on the weekends for fun. That's right, my friends, the time is now. We are in that future. We're in this time. The title of the message today is A Living Faith, Action in an Age of Sentimentality. And I want to tell you today, the future is now. We think about these things, these robots that do these things, these phones that can do everything. I have a library in my pocket full of information, more information than somebody 100 years ago would consume in their entire lives. I have it and I have access to it in a second. And yet we worship a Jesus who lived 2000 years ago in a completely different time, in a completely different space. They'd never heard of a mobile phone. They didn't know what robots were. There was no such thing as a drone. So how can a faith that began 2,000 years ago have impact in your life and my life today? How does it make sense? How can it have any teeth or stickability when the one we worship never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown. And yet, you and I would travel 300 kilometers just for the day. Except that, There is something sitting beneath the fabric of our world, something sitting beneath our ultra-modern, high-tech, need it now, super-fast, order it online, deliver it by drone life, something that sits beneath all of that, there is an ache, a bleeding heart, an unmet desire, something that all of those modern things don't speak to, something, a question perhaps that goes unanswered, that sits deep in our soul, that no matter how many clicks you click can solve that ache. The world that we live in tries to answer that ache, tries to meet that mystery with sentimentality. What do I mean by sentimentality? Because we all know what heartache is. We all know what it feels to feel a longing, to feel something's missing, to feel like there's something not quite right. Things don't go well and then we pile on these things, and our world simply meets it by sentimentality. What do I mean? It's the story about pandas at the end of the news broadcast. It's the live cross to the weather guy doing crazy stuff at the beach after the interview with the rate rise person. It's the internet's obsession with things that are cute, things that are aesthetic, Are things that are weirdly satisfying. (laughs) The world speaks to an ache with mere sentimentality and it doesn't cut it. It doesn't get there. It doesn't reach it. And yet you and I do the same thing when we detail the woe of our life and then end our conversation with, but it's all good. It's all good. Because for it to not be all good would expose something in us, answers that we do not have in a time that we cannot understand. And yet there is a call from the deep, a call from 2,000 years ago that are singing out to us, crying out to us, saying, Listen, look, there is something back there for us to uncover. There is a need in our world to face the challenges of life head-on without resorting to sentimentality or simple anesthesia. So where did you learn faith? You might be here today and you would say, well, I don't have a faith and I want to say to you, you are welcome, you're so welcome here. Every time discovery gathers, whether that's in a big group, a small group, or a couple of people walking around the park, there is a sense to which we are all on a journey towards faith, towards Jesus. And if you would say, I don't have a faith at all, you're so welcome, you are welcome here in this room, on this uh, stream with us. But we've all learnt things from somewhere. Perhaps you grew up with a sense of faith in Jesus that you still hold today. Perhaps you grew up with a sense of faith in a God that no longer exists. Perhaps you grew up in a family that did not explore or express faith at all. That's called our family of origin. And it is a powerful little thing. Those three little words actually tell us a lot about our lives, more than we would like to admit. As a son, of course I grew up saying there are things that my parents did that I will never do. (laughs) Never, ever. And I don't need to tell you what I do. Always, always. Family of origin is powerful. These babies that were dedicated today are being dedicated by their own family of origin. We saw lots of little stories up here today. I often think about my own kids, and I think, oh, they're going to be sitting in some kind of group therapy session in 20 years talking about me, Right? their family of origin. It's how they got there. And some of those things will be great, and some of those things might not be so great. The family of origin, and I love it because these group of people that we saw today are standing up publicly and exemplifying this truth that families parents, grandparents, um, spiritual parents, relatives, have an incredibly powerful impact on the faith of a child. Incredibly powerful impact. Otherwise, why would we do it? And the impact isn't just felt, here's the thing, that impact isn't just felt in the communication of ideas, but in the modeling of actions. This is hard as a parent, because we love, you know, do what I say and not as I do, but the opposite is always, 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 always true. They will do as we do, not as we say. Faith is a verb. When we're talking about faith, we're talking about a living faith that is a verb. A verb is a doing word. Faith has actions attached to it rather than mere concepts or precepts. It begins there, but it always ends with our hands. Listen to this from James chapter 2. What good is it, my brothers and sisters... If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? So also by faith itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works, I will show you by my faith by my works. You believe that God is one and you do well, but even the demons believe that and shudder. <laughs> James is so encouraging, guys. He's so just uplifting and, you know, if you're feeling down, you can go to James and he gives you a real pep talk, Yeah, it says your faith is dead. Love it. He talks about a real experience, someone who needs food and clothes. The need was real. Imagine, he says, if one of you is lacking daily food and lacking clothes to wear. And the response is simply piety, simply, oh, like kind of pie in the sky stuff. Bless you, mate. Go well. Be warm. Have something to eat. James says that's death. It's death. There is nothing there. Why? Because that kind of faith that's not connected to action is actually no faith at all. This is starting to sting. I even knew I was going to be preaching this, and it still hurts, Right? This is a hard one because we've got to be able to bring together these two foreign worlds, the world of faith that we believe something about, and then the action that puts it into place. And crazily enough, it's often our kids are the ones that mirror that back to us, whether we're doing a good job or not with it. The world does not need any more sentimentality, my friends. It needs action needs people of faith, men and women who love the person of Jesus and who are committed to living out a daily faith that is concrete and has action at the end of it rather than nice sounding words. And I myself must sit on the altar and under the sacrifice of that as somebody who deals primarily in words, I need to be the first one to respond to this. Lest I come under the same judgment by which I'm talking about right now. And Jesus says to me, Matt, your faith is dead. Because it was simply words. See, religious behavior can sometimes get in the way of Christi- Christian living. <laughs> Do we know that? Religious behavior, nice looking and sounding things, can sometimes get in the way of actual Christian living. Jesus told a story about a, about a, uh, a Pharisee, somebody who knew the law and loved God, and then a tax collector, somebody who was... Who was um, who was derided and pushed down and really cast aside and said, you don't have anything to offer the Lord. And the response of the two men meant that the sacrifice, the, uh, the tax collector was the one who was accepted before God because he simply said, have mercy on me. We're on a journey from moving from heart to hands where we're following Jesus in your sits laban, Do you like that, that little phrase? Do you like that little phrase? Anyone, any uh, Germans in our midst? (laughs) Everyone's looking at, (laughs) why are we looking at you, Josh? (laughs) Ah. German heritage, family of origin, guys, that's why. Sits in labor means your situation in life, your setting in life. God's plan for you and I is to activate our faith in the setting that you're in, not in some foreign world, not in some vacuum, not in a dream space, but in your life, in your waking up, you're going to sleep, your tomorrow, you're going to work, your interaction with your family, with your workmates, with your colleagues, uh, in the car as you're driving, that's your sitzim laban, your situation in life, your setting, your context. That's where faith hits the ground. That's where it works. Secondarily to that, the need for accountable and supportive relationships. It's why we talk to you all the time about small groups, about life groups. Why? Because we see that there is such power in contributing and receiving from supportive and accountable relationships, discipleship that happens inside of a community, in a small group where people know your name and they know if you're missing, they know if you're there, and your gifts are received and honored and welcomed, and you also receive and honor and welcome others' gifts. That's really important. Thirdly, on top of all of that, as the cherry on top, we gather together sometimes like this. In celebration, in story, and in symbol. Now, the hard thing that we've done is that we've made C the most important, and we've let the other two follow in behind. Whereas I think we need to start at A and work our way down. Following Jesus in your every day. living in community, supportive and accountable. And then sometimes gathering together for celebration as we've done, story as we're doing, and symbol, which we're about to do. So we're going to share around the Lord's table right now. If you do not have the elements, the bread and the cup, just stick your hand up boldly, nice and high, and one of our hosts will quickly scoot around to you as we share in this symbol together. You can open the top, but don't eat or drink yet. We're going to eat and drink together. Those of you who are joining us at home, you can hurry off quickly and come back quickly and you, there will be time. There is time. Go, go, go. Another couple down the front here and then a few up the back, right at the back here. All right. Any more? Just, ah, uh, yep, at the top, right at the top here. Good stuff. You see, when we share around the Lord's table, when here, yep, thank you. When we share the bread and the cup, we remember and we celebrate Jesus for whom faith and action was intertwined. What do we remember? What does the bread and the cup cause us, symbolize, cause us to remember? That love was an idea? No. That love was something that Jesus talked about? Yeah, but that's not it. We remember that Jesus loved and laid down his life. That faith and action were intertwined. He didn't just talk about sacrifice, he lived it. He didn't just talk about love. He didn't just say he was going to rescue us, but he did. So with the broken body symbolized in front of us, why don't we eat together? Father, thank you for sending your son to die on a cruel Roman cross, to give up his life, to be broken, that we might be made whole. Thank you for a display of love that was not just words, but action. And likewise when we consider the cup, when we consider the gulf that separated us from God and the the gulf of distance that no amount of sentimentality would bridge. Remember the forgiveness. That was poured out for us by jesus blood and so for those with faith on a journey toward the person of jesus we say thank you jesus and we drink today in remembrance of his great love and sacrifice let's drink together Amen. So what do we do? How might we live this out? The first thing is this is to make discipleship a lifestyle. Rather than trying to fit faith into your already existing life that's doing its own thing and going in its own way, how about we start to shape our life around following Jesus? It's a flip over. Rather than saying, Jesus, you can plug into my life and make me a bit faster, bit nicer, bit kinder a bit politer on the road, uh, and all of those kinds of things, just a little small upgrade. How about we go for a full revolution and allow our complete life, our existence, to be modeled after the person of Jesus? Make discipleship a lifestyle where everything goes through him. Secondly, be a doer of the word. As I said before, we live with a library in our pockets, so we are experts at filtering information. How many books do you read and you properly read them all the way through? How many emails do you read without scanning them first? How many text messages? I have a nephew who doesn't read texts that are more than a paragraph long. And... And there's a way of making texts bold, and I don't know how to do that, but apparently you could. that's how people read more of them as well. Because we live in a world where we filter information, and what that means is we hold things up and consider them, consider them, consider them, and we don't do anything with it. The Bible calls to us from 2,000 years ago and says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Live it out. Put it into practice. Integrate it into who you are. The Bible says, eat this book. Take it into you. Ingest it and allow your life to be shaped by it. Be a doer of the word. Get good at assimilating information from Jesus rather than just considering it. There's a time for careful consideration, and there is a time to be all in. And following Jesus is an all-in type of affair. Thirdly and finally, let God know we need to talk. (laughs) You know, he longs to talk to you. Longs to talk to you. When, when Jesus, Jesus died, the curtain, curtain was, torn was torn from, from top t- to bottom, separating God from the people because he longs to talk to you. It's as though Jesus is saying we need to talk. I love to talk to you. I died that we could talk. And yet I know so many of us in the midst of the world that we are in also cry out, our spirits cry out, God, I just want to talk to you. Time to connect. He longs to talk to you. Some of us are so full, so full of words and feelings and emotion, and you're afraid that if you just begin, if you, there's a little crack in that dam, you're going to explode. It's okay. Jesus has broad shoulders. He'll listen. He'll listen. So some questions to consider as we close. Who showed you how to live for Jesus? You might say, well, I'm, I'm here for the first time. I've never, no one's ever shown me. Okay, then start today. Who's showing you how to live for Jesus? If it was family, what did they do and say, and was it consistent? (laughs) If it wasn't, what did they do that impacted or helped you? You Yeah, I'm grateful for a a man. When I was 14 or 15, he would pick me up every Friday morning, 6 a.m., and drive me to the beach so I could go surfing every single week. And I found out later, a couple of years later, that he was going through an absolute nightmare in his own life, but stable, consistent, loved Jesus every week. Just picked me up Friday morning, took me to the beach. White Toyota Corona station wagon. He used to play drums on the steering wheel. (laughs) What's out of place? What's not quite right? And what might that be telling you about you? What areas of life are not consistent with your confession, and where do you need to ask for forgiveness? Where can you engage? Where are the opportunities in your life right now to use your gifts, to use your skills, to, to serve somebody else? Maybe it is in a small group setting, and a group like this, there's only so many people who can serve it. Whereas we gather together in a small group and everybody is involved. And then finally, who can you encourage? We have started running some Instagram polls this week on We Need to Talk. And thank you for all of you who responded. It was really, really, really helpful actually in terms of crafting something like this for today, but also we're going to start using that hashtag we need to talk so that we can encourage one another online with your daily discipleship, the things that you do in your every single day where you connect with Jesus. You know, we asked this poll this week and said, where do you most connect with Jesus? And far and away, people said in nature, more than anything else. More than, um, more than music or different things, nature was like, ding, ding, top of the pops. If you're out in nature this week, why don't you take a photo and tag us? Let us know that you are out there with We Need to Talk. People said this week that they would go to a friend far more than anybody else if they're going through a challenge. So how were you cultivating those deep friendships? We need to talk. Why don't we stand together as we bring this message to a close. And then after this, guys, the team's going to lead us in this song. And then after this, we get to do something really, really special. We've um, saved it till the end of our service because we get to commission some new pastoral staff today and make some other staffing announcements as well so we want to do that before we uh, go before we head out into the foyer to connect in community so I'm going to pray for us the team's going to lead us and then we'll and then Jodes will come and lead us in the next part of our service so father thank you Not just to speak, but to live, to die, to rise again to new life. Jesus, we thank you for giving your life that faith was in action. And we, in a very real sense, want to model ourselves, our communities, after you. Jesus, we need to talk. Lord, give us words when there are no words, and may you speak to us through your living word. We thank you for your love, your kindness, your concern, and that you would challenge us today in this place, in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on this Discovery Church podcast. Now go and find yourself in the bigger story.